you go. And that picture, it didn't have me like holding my Bible out with this nice friendly smile. Hey, this really intense, like I gotta get through this light. Apparently there's this nice little ticket with it also that says a relationship. Maybe you've gotten infatuated in. You've, you've started talking so much that you're just hooked into too close, too quick. Maybe it's the upcoming football season. That More time with fantasy than politics. You know, we can get hooked into politics and we start alienating the very people that we're trying to reach out to and befriend. There's a guy in the Bible, there's actually many guys in the Bible, but one we'll talk about today. In 2 Chronicles 33, this is around 700 B.C., who gives us an example of spiritually and literally being on the hook. And we're going to look at him. He let himself be hooked. And, and at first it, it doesn't make sense. The guy's name is Manasseh. And his dad is Hezekiah. Who if you know about the Old Testament, Hezekiah was this really super successful king. He was honored by the people. In fact, in 2 Chronicles 32.3, it says, All Judah and the people of Jerusalem honored Hezekiah when he died. So it seems like a good situation for young little Manasseh to, to, to rise up in. But later we see him on the hook. In 2 Chronicles 33.11, says, So the Lord brought against them, them being Judah, the army commanders of the king of Assyria, who took Manasseh prisoner, put a hook in his nose, bound him with bronze shackles and took him to battle. Why did the Lord bring the Assyrians against him? And they put a, a hook in his nose? Is that really in the Bible? And, and how can that be prevented in our own lives, right? First point is on the hook. And the warning is, this is gonna get more intense before it gets better. But let's read in 2 Chronicles 33, verse 1. Manasseh was 12 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 55 years. He did evil in the eyes of the Lord, following the detestable practices of the nations the Lord had driven out before the Israelites. Okay, that's, that's not good. He rebuilt the high places his father Hezekiah had demolished. He also erected altars to the balls and made Asherah poles. He bowed down to all the starry hosts and worshipped them. He built altars in the temple of the Lord, of which the Lord had said, My name will remain in Jerusalem forever. In both courts of the temple of the Lord, he built altars to the starry hosts. He sacrificed his children in the valley of Ben-Hanan. Practiced divination and witchcraft, sought omens, consulted mediums and, and spiritists. He did much evil in the eyes of the Lord, arousing his anger. He took the image he had made and put it in God's temple, of which God had said to David and to his son Solomon, in this temple and in Jerusalem, which I have chosen out of all the tribes of Israel, I will put my name forever. I will not again, only they will be careful to do everything I commanded them concerning all the laws, decrees, and regulations given through Moses. But Manasseh led Judah and the people of Jerusalem astray so that they did more evil 
than the nations the Lord had destroyed before the Israelites. The Lord spoke to Manasseh and his people, but they paid no attention. And he got hooked and drug away. Evil. I mean, more evil than the nations before them. God instructed, if only, if only you be careful. I won't make you wander again. I'll keep you here. But they chose the hook. The Lord spoke to Manasseh, but they paid no attention. What a convicting statement. They paid no attention. The name Manasseh means forget. Originally as a, a reference for God. It was uh, Joseph in the dream code named his firstborn Manasseh and said, it is because God has made me forget all my trouble and causes trouble. Last week, Jordan did a great job talking about setting spiritual fire and using the, the small kindling to keep our fire going. Well, Manasseh, he forgot how God had, had saved his dad and people. And bit by bit, he built altars and worshipped other gods. And it just built a different kind of fire that consumed him and put him on the hook more and more, literally for him and his people. 2 Kings 21, 16 says this, Moreover, Manasseh also shed so much innocent blood that he filled Jerusalem from end to end. Some scholars actually believe that this was the time that Isaiah the prophet was martyred, that he was martyred under Manasseh. Really dark, intense, bloody time, and had long-term effects to the people of Judah because of Manasseh. And that's a whole other intriguing lesson that you can study out and study out the history of God's people. But this last week, not a, not a dark time in my life. Actually, in, in high school, I was at this Y, and we'd help them with their hooks. And they would take the hooks, and we'd, we'd put this nice, nice bait on it, nice worm. And, and, and we'd, we'd dress it all up, and it'd be this, this pleasant little package on the hook, right? And you're throwing it out there, with, not just with your hand, but you throw it out there. And the little fish, they're, they're looking for it. They're watching it. They're watching it bob up and down, and they, and they get that bite, and it, but the hook, it digs in deeper and deeper. And the fish is, is separated from his environment, slowly, bit by bit, separated from other fish. And at first, the, the fish likes the hook. It looks good, but it keeps getting more and more hooked, and it doesn't realize how far it's getting that's how sin works. It's a pleasing little package that we see bobbing there. And we just wanna, we just wanna grab it. We're just tempted. And it separates us from God and from others. And we don't realize how far off we are. We, we may know something's wrong, but we don't know exactly what it is. James 1.14 says, but each person 
is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire. Manasseh was, he was dragged away by his own idol worshiping way before the Assyrians put that hook in. What gods are bobbing around you? What gods are you tempted to worship? Is it the social media? Wondering how many, how many likes I'm going to get on a comment. Is it a form of people pleasing where you're just, we're just trying to figure out people out there that will validate you instead of God? Is it the pursuit of work? The pursuit of work versus the, the pursuit of Christ and his kingdom. With all your strength for work, but you're left empty for Christ. Either you're not there or if you show up, you're just a grumpy bear. You got your grumpy pants on. Like Manessa on the hook, we can lead others astray without even realizing. Because we forget. God doesn't want us on that hook. He doesn't want us just living this life of just boredom. Just on the hook. He wants us living off the hook. This exciting life with him. But before we talk about what living off the hook looks like and the excitement of that and the more pleasant part of this lesson, I want to prep us with something that's really important for us to understand. Something for us to kind of marinate on. And that's God's arm in getting us off the hook. On God's arm. Let's look at Isaiah 59. Surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save, nor his ear too dull to hear. But your iniquities have separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. Imagine Isaiah preaching this while he saw his country being separated from good and holy. But he still taught. No matter what you're feeling, no matter what you've been through, today, this week, maybe even as this lesson is, is making you think through some choices in your life, God is not that far from you. God's arm is not too short to save you. And we'll see it with Manessa in a minute, living off the hook. In verse 12 of the same chapter, it says, For our offenses are many in your sight, and our sins testify against us. Our offenses are ever with us, and we acknowledge our iniquities. Rebellion and treachery against the Lord, turning our backs on our God, inciting revolt, and righteousness stands at a distance. Truth has stumbled in the streets. Honesty cannot enter. Truth is nowhere to be found, and whoever shuns evil becomes a prey. This was the situation going on in that time. The Lord looked and was displeased that there is no justice. He saw that there is no one. He was appalled and there was, there was no one to intervene. So his own arm achieved salvation for him. And his own righteousness sustained him. The Redeemer will come to Zion to those in Jacob who repent of their sins, declares the Lord. For Manasseh and Judah, their hooks, their hooks were before them. I mean, just look at the wording here. I mean, this is just, it's just beautiful. Looking at these scriptures, it's uttering lies our hearts have conceived. You ever been there? Where your heart is just distracting you in the wrong direction? 
truth is stumbled. Whoever shuns evil becomes a prey. You know, God didn't like that. And we have sins that testify against us. We deal with hooks. But God's arm, it achieves salvation. God in flesh. God reached down with his arm, with Jesus, to Zion, Jerusalem, and he pulls the out of our lives. He pulls that hook of sin out of our lives. Can I get an amen? Do you like the fact that there's some sin out of your lives because of Jesus and his hook that pulls it out of you? I think about my baptism. Bud read about this earlier, Isaiah 53, 5. He was pierced, hooked for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. God's favor and love at the time of my baptism. The body sharing with me, encouraging with me. Yes, I, I felt the arms of Paul Haggerty holding me under the water and pulling me back up. Certainly remember that. But Jesus, pulling that hook of sin out of my life, the brokenness, the mistakes that I made, the sins before God, and it's only because of God's arm, that's what makes living off the hook possible. We wouldn't be able to have any of this without God's arm. Let's talk about living off the hook. In 2 Chronicles 33, 12, it says, In his distress, Manasseh sought the favor of the Lord his God and humbled himself greatly before the God of his ancestors. And when he prayed to him, the Lord was moved by his entreaty and listened to it. He got rid of the foreign gods and removed the image from the temple of the Lord, as well as all the altars he had built on the temple hill and in Jerusalem. He threw them out of the city. Then he restored the altar of the Lord and sacrificed fellowship offerings and thank offerings on it and told Judah to serve the Lord, the God of Israel. The people, however, continued to sacrifice at the high places, but only to the Lord their God. This off-the-hook reference to allow someone to escape from a difficult situation or to avoid doing something that they do not want to do. Referring to something being so fresh, so new, off the hook, like with clothes, off the hanger being the hook, a phone ringing so much that it remains off the hook as a result. So popular. How does the scripture say Manasseh got off the hook? Well, he humbled himself. He prayed. He was turning from the idols and seeking the Lord's favor. How many times has humility helped you out in a situation in your life? Your thoughts, your emotions, your relationships, your interactions. Being fresh and new, we, we need that humility. Praying moves the hook, Manessa prayed. You may wonder, what did that look like? For Manessa to be in that situation and pray. Well, I don't exactly know, but it says God was moved by his prayer. It said God listened to his plea or supplication. And supplication, that's just a nice big word. And it just means the action of asking or, or begging for favor. Something earnestly or humbly. Maybe it was just a help, I got a hook in my nose. God, can you help me out here? Probably a little bit more intense begging than that. But sometimes we can feel or, 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 or we hear this, this idea that, that
God is, is far away from us, that he's not close to us, that he doesn't care, that he can't be moved. But that's not what his word says. And hearing, hearing you isn't based on how good you're doing today. Oh, if you read three paragraphs instead of two paragraphs of scripture this morning, or if you only reached out to two people this last week, that's, then God's going to listen to you. No. God was moved by, by this guy. This guy was evil. I mean, he was killing people. That should give you some hope. That God hears this guy. As he knew and grew closer to God, that snowball effect of, of fiery inspiration, he threw those idols out of the city. The man had a hook in his nose. He was standing there with shackles on his feet. And he sought the Lord's favor. He stopped trying to be filled up by, by empty idols that obviously didn't love him. The idols didn't have the power to take care of him. God took care of him. And he knew the Lord was God. I think sometimes we forget how small we are. And how incredible our God is. Sometimes we think we're the large ones and our God is small. And we forget how off the hook his favor is. How amazing it is. Not our favor, his favor. What area do you need to seek the Lord's favor in this week? Have you talked to him about it? Have you been humble about it? In June... I was talking to another uh, grief recovery specialist as we were getting uh, close to the Ignite conference. And she gave me the suggestion of, of going back and, and working on the things that me and wa my wife had experienced as she went through cancer. Didn't really want to deal with some of that pain. Didn't really want to have to be humble in those situations. I was like, okay, okay, I'll try it. So I, I texted Josh Gallimore because we had done some grief recovery work before. And, and I texted him, I was just like, you know, maybe if, if you have time in this, this next month, possibly, maybe possibly get together, sometime far off, if we can get together, that might be great. I was like, okay, I saw the Lord's favor, I'm good. Well, immediately he sent a, a message back, he was like, I'm free this whole week. Thanks, Josh, thanks. Of course he is, yes. <laughs> so I go to his house and so we're, so, you know, I'm, I'm working on it. And I'm telling him, I, I don't want to work on this. Because it's painful. It's emotional. I don't want to have to get in touch with some of these things. And so we did it. And then went through the first part. And then, then there's like a second part to work through. And I was like, okay. So I texted Josh. And I'm like, you know, surely this can't happen again. So it's like, you know, Josh, if you're, you know, I'm thinking of working on the second part. If you happen to be free, I, I'm really only free on Thursday. But, you know, maybe if you're not, we can, we can do it three or four. Text me back. Oh, I'm free this Thursday. <laughs> Great. To really humble ourselves before God. To seek his favor. Even when it is painful. Even when it might be ugly. Even when it might be emotional. But directing it. To him so that we can live off the hook, so we can have some freshness 
some newness about us. Humility in owing money so that you can live off the hook, get some help with that budget. Hooked by emotion. You know that emotional idolatry, you're just worshiping the, the anger, the different feelings you have that makes you not see clearly. You need the arm of God to unhook you. Allow the body of Christ to, to help you with, with input and guidance. You got a conflict with a brother, a sister, maybe your spouse. You want to blow up the internet. Let me just get it out there. But live off the hook and, and talk with people directly. Be humble about what you're feeling. Maybe internet's your, your God with, with lust. Maybe it's pornography on a, a device and you need to Seek the Lord's favor with that device. Critical of others. I was in a restaurant the other day at lunchtime. And it was just, the conversation around us, it was, it was just negative and, and, and draining. If it's your wife, take your wife on some dates. If you're a brother, take some sisters on the dates and encourage them. Think outside of yourself. Maybe you think your family group is Manessa. Hopefully not. But maybe you think they're the evil ones. They're all evil. Well, before you take the hook to them, take the hook out of yourself. Work it out. Work it out together. Be the change of, of fresh air to the group. Help your group to change and be new. Go to God. Get the hook out. Seek his favor in the situation. Live off the hook. Maybe you're hearing this and you're saying, you know, I, I feel like it's too big of a hook. Well, first I'd point you back to Vanessa because that's, that's a pretty big hook that got pulled out of his nose. But sometimes you can feel like this. This is just too big of a hook. Well, let's get some of the hook out of it, out of your nose this week. And then let's come up with some ideas on, on how to figure out a solution. You know, God, the spirit, the, the people who have the spirit around you, they're close to you. you. You can come up with some ideas together to have the hook removed. Confess to each other. Pray about it. Seek God's favor. It can help all of us live a life off the hook with him. Fresh, new, vibrant. I'll share this story and then wrap up. I was hanging with a brother this week, and he was talking about how just he had grown up in the kingdom, uh, become a disciple, and then later on, you know, and he appreciated the church, but then later on he, he got hooked. And he made decisions to, to follow those hooks, to, to worship other things, and he, he, he left the church. But he talked about how he, while he was gone, he just didn't, he didn't pay attention. Or even as he was listening, he, he didn't pay attention to what people were telling him and he, and he ignored people. But then he talked about how now that he's back, he's so, he's so appreciative of the church and the relationships and, and the love and he sees God, God working through people. And I, and I think about our, our relationships with, with, with a Kansas City and all the churches that came at Ignite and, and us going to New Orleans and the, the relationships there and even with our, our singles ministry, we have some some Barnabas trips lined up where they're going to go to, to Oklahoma City and, and Lubbock and New Orleans. And I just think about how amazing our kingdom is and how wonderful it is and how we can be, we can be thankful for so much of that. 
But when we get hooked, we, we forget about how wonderful it is in the world. Let's not be like Manasseh and forget what we have. Let's not be like Manasseh and forget about the relationships and the love and how we can live off the hook together. Let's avoid the hooks. Let's unite with God in removing whatever hook you've got in your life. And let's live together fresh, daily, renewed in him. Thank you.